it took up a lot of space in my head on whether I would go on leave or not. I was very attached to my job. I love my job. And I just had this real fear that if I leave, I will never return. And that was very much entangled in the cancer diagnosis, because I think you look at everything. Am I still going to be alive this time next year? You know, all of those questions come rushing in. And I felt that stepping away from work was, will I ever go back? Feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work? Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this comeback episode, we hear about the wobbly moments and successes of someone who's made a comeback. Jessica also hosts longer coach episodes where we eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Hello and welcome back to Comeback Coach and the first episode of season two. I'm really pleased you're listening. And in this episode, we're talking about making a mindful return. My guest today is Rhea Ingleby, who agonised over whether or not to actually go on leave from her role at Headspace when she received a cancer diagnosis. But she says the decision became easy when friends said to her, what advice would you give a friend, Rhea? And so she took the leave. Rhea is a qualified CHEK holistic health coach, qualified yoga instructor and trained mindfulness meditation teacher and it's fair to say she really loves her work. Now I'm so delighted to have the continued support of Raiden Solicitors for this second season. The firm celebrated its 15th anniversary last year with Catherine Raiden building it from scratch with three very young children in tow and just a handful of clients. It's now a firm that employs nearly 90 staff, many of whom are working parents and benefiting from Catherine's progressive approach to running a successful business that fully supports flexible working practices and returners to the workplace. Now, on the subject of law firms, if you're listening to this before September the 28th, 2021, you're in time to join a Q&A event I'm hosting that day with Laurie Mihalik-Levin on how to make partner and still have a life. Laurie is a partner at Denton's, the world's largest law firm, and she's also the author of a book called Back to Work After Baby. Now, it's for anyone in any profession who wants to progress their career whilst raising a family, so don't think that you need to be a lawyer in order to come, and the session is just 45 minutes. So head over to the website, comebackcommunity.co.uk, and click on the tab at the top that says Conversations, and there you can find out more about the session and book your spot. You'll also find details of our other free Comeback Conversation Q&A events. And so to Ria. Ria, it's so nice to be here with you today. And I've been watching your running unfolding on LinkedIn. And I have been at myself running today. And I was thinking about you as I was doing it. How is the running going? It's going well. I was gradually building up the distance over the month of May for 5K in May to raise money for Penny Bronnen. And also just to start running again for my body. At times I was really finding it difficult to walk around my block. The run has gone well. I'm not doing as much running now after the 5K in May, but it still features as part of the way that I move my body. Yeah, and you've been swimming more as well, you said, before we started recording. I love swimming. It's all I wanted to do 
throughout the winter, I just wanted to go swimming. The minute that the pools were reopened again, I was outside swimming. Yeah, it's been incredible. Well, it's really lovely to see you sitting here smiling today. And perhaps we could just start, will you just say a little bit about your reason for leave, what you're coming back from? Yeah, of course. I went on leave after a cancer diagnosis and it took up a lot of space in my head on whether I would go on leave or not. I was very attached to my job. I love my job. And I just had this real fear that if I leave, I will never return. And that was very much entangled in the cancer diagnosis because I think you look at everything. Am I still going to be alive this time next year? You know, all of those questions come rushing in. And I felt that stepping away from work was, will I ever go back? So that was really interesting for me just to be aware of that going on in my own mind. Friends helped me really look at it from if you wanted to be your best friend right now, what advice would you be given? And of course, it was easy. So I took leave to be able to really support my mind and body through treatment and chemotherapy. And I was off out of work for about five months throughout treatment. It's interesting what you say about that best friend, because it does just Mm. give you a slightly different perspective, doesn't it? When you think about it cuts through things. I think it's much easier to make decisions when you think about how would you treat somebody else because it's instinctive that you would be generous and caring and loving and compassionate. Wow. So you took five months out. Did you keep in touch in that time then? Because obviously it was a big decision for you to step away. Massively. I kept in touch with some of my work colleagues and on occasions, um, I would reach into the organisation and maybe join a team meeting one morning. But as I started to have more chemotherapy, as you would expect, you have more and more kind of you're accumulating more of the, as I call it, the medicine. I was starting to feel a lot more tired and energy some days was just purely focusing on eating and sleeping and not even talking to anybody. So there was a real mixture and it very much... At the beginning of my treatment, maybe a little bit more interaction with work. As I was getting towards the end of my treatment, it was really honing in on not talking to many people at all. Doing what felt good and what felt right. Exactly. Every day, I guess. Just Yeah. And literally every day on some days, even like moment to moment, you know, what would feel right in the morning and just going with that, being led by what felt right at that time. Mm -hmm. what a caring way to be a compassionate way to be with yourself just really listening to yourself being very mindful and that word mindful actually is a reason why I reached out to you I saw what you were posting on LinkedIn I thought gosh I'd love to hear about this mindfulness because you talked about making a mindful return so before we hear about that will you just tell me about how you or maybe this is part of it actually how did you start to prepare for your return to work you mentioned around compassion and and kindness that really has been an area that I've done a lot of research just through the nature of my role as as a job and we've been building a program all about compassion and mindfulness in the workplace so you know for 18 months I've done so much research and started to live and breathe a lot of these own practices and realized that actually when it came to being kind to myself I certainly had a deficit there that really needed to be fulfilled. So when I started thinking about my return to work, it was a continuation of how I had 
almost seen myself throughout treatment. You know, that decision from leaving work to focus on treatment. And then my whole treatment was all around compassion and kindness, even to the point where when I was having an infusion of the chemotherapy, I would put my hand over where I was having it and I would sort of go gently with me. I would just be very reassuring and very compassionate to myself. So then in going back to the workplace, conversations with my husband and some trusted colleagues in continuing that thread of kindness and compassion. Yeah. And what made your return mindful, would you say? That word gets used so much, doesn't it? And I was really conscious when I popped up that post on LinkedIn on a mindful return. As I said, my treatment, I'd endeavoured to be as mindful as possible and it all came down to my intention. So I'd write down some questions for me to contemplate on in my meditation practice and also just journal on and ask others in terms of what their perspective were. So my intention was that If I will return to work, it needs to be done in a really gentle way. It needs to be thoughtful and it needs to be slow because after five months of not being in a workplace, the modern day workplace is like 100 miles an hour. We all experience that. We know what these modern day workplaces are like. And I was not prepared to hit the ground running. You know, that's a term we hear often. We want that person to hit the ground running. And that wasn't what my employer had said at all. It's just you hear that being said a lot. Mm -hmm. Intention was to how can I glide in to the organization in in a way that's very precise and a gentle landing, you know, like an airplane coming down from the sky. We want to be able to hit the runway really gently and not no bumps. So I was really thoughtful in my intention. Some of the questions I asked myself was, you know, how can I be gentle? How can I have a sense of calm and clarity as I return? What would overwhelm and mindlessness look like for me based on my previous experience of being in in a modern day workplace? How do I truly feel about going back into the workplace? How does my body feel? How does my mind feel? You know, all of these questions I ask myself and then set about pulling in the right people to have those conversations with. Oh, Ria, you know, I'm just sort of smiling, listening to you and this question about how can I glide in very precisely Mm. is is a great one. And I also agree with you about this hitting the ground running. It's not a phrase I like to use because I don't think it's right, really. I think if you've been away doing something completely different, it's a bit like changing. I always think it's like changing gears on a car. You have that, or before we started to have a boom in electric cars and lose our gears. But, you know, if you were in in a high gear, in fifth gear, and you needed to slow down, you kind of go through the gears. You don't go from fifth gear to first gear and in reverse as as well, you know, back up the gears. You press the clutch, you have a clutch, and you kind of go into that neutral space and go up and down the gears. You're so right. I think that also being very mindful and when I use the word mindful you know very aware like really paying attention to the organization I was going back into and I think that's such an important aspect of all of this because if I were going back into the SAS then hitting the ground running is probably something that I should do if I'm a member of the SAS I've been watching it on TV recently If I'm working in a finance organization, it's going to look different for different people. And but this essence of gradually, 
like gradually going through the gearbox or gradually the flight comes down gradually or I parachute in. Mm. It was this essence of gentleness and kindness that I really wanted. Yeah. So it sounds like you achieved that. Is, Is that right? Yeah, it really was. I mean, the support I had from my colleagues, the people team, it was really something that we're going to explore more because even if we look at COVID and the long, some people that have been away from work due to COVID, I think just having a step back for organisations to think, how could this be a mindful way of bringing somebody back into the organisation, whether it's pregnancy, illness, whatever it may be, just having that space to actually just contemplate and think and what intentions do we have for that person and what intentions do they have coming back in? Yeah, making sure they're aligned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about how you wanted that return to be and I wonder what sort of length of time did you think about your return as being, you know, four weeks, 12 weeks? Did you have a, a time frame in mind that you were thinking, this is the period of transition, this is the point where I'm still in the air, you know, this yeah. journeying down? Yeah, I really did. Such a great question. I'd actually got some information from my consultant and doctors on just the ramifications of chemotherapy on the body. So I did the real practical thing of let's just understand, you know, the lag effects of chemotherapy and all of the things, side effects of all of that. So that was a big aspect of this. And the other part of it was kind of acknowledging that my body for the last five months has just been pumped with this medicine, with this chemotherapy. So it's going to at least take my body five months for me to be able to recover and rehabilitate. So based on that, I was starting to think around, okay, so three months feels about a good plan for like a glide plan, a mindful returning to work and using that as a starting point with the ability to flex and have those conversations as and when needed. Interestingly, and this is where the mind comes in, my first few weeks back, it could have been so easy for me just to ramp up like that, just because I'd wanted to get back involved in everything. And I was really trying to pay attention to that around boundaries, my own boundaries for myself (laughs) and boundaries for other people that I work with. Yeah. So we've thought about this glide plan and you talked about three months and then thinking beyond that transition period, how did you want things to be different when you returned just as an ongoing you know, way of being at work? I think this is where throughout the treatment and certainly the back end of the treatment, I had got very anemic. So that brought with it breathlessness, fatigue like I've never experienced And I was in awe of my body in terms of I could be so sick for three days, five days. And then you'd have this moment of recovery where you just felt a little bit like yourself. And I thought, I need to get out of my way here. What is right for my body? So when I go back into the workplace, it was around what do I need to do to balance the energy for my mind and my body? So it was around energy levels It was around how can I encourage more movement in my day? Because it's so easy for me to sit in front of, particularly with the pandemic, in front of a Zoom camera, back-to-back meetings. You know, that could be really easy for me to just go and do that. (laughs) 
and just slide into that mode. So it was around, you know, how can I bring movement into my day and just better balance in terms of my diary management and the type of work interactions that I have. Yeah. What did you want to have a better balance with? Online, offline. So what I mean by that is time in front of the camera. I personally, I might be the only person in the world that feels this, but I find it exhausting if I'm doing it all day. Oh so gosh, was, you're not the only one. My golly. I think there is a thing like Zoom fatigue. What could my diary look? What could my week look like in terms of time in front of the camera or on a call versus walking and talking to people on a call and having moments of where I could go and do meditation, where I could go and journal, just me time. And then there, the other kind of changes were food had been integral to my whole treatment. It was like the most thing that I look forward to every day was eating breakfast or eating lunch. So that's also been like this sacred space that is in my diary for me to cook my own food and eat it. And that's been another change. And the other one I did is I put blockers in to prevent people from putting in back-to-back meetings in my diary. Because again, that's not conducive to looking after my health, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, none of those things. But you know what, Rhea, I'm just sitting here thinking, and all you are describing is the way that we should all be working anyway. These blocks in diaries, so you've got time to think between meetings, to reflect, to pause, cooking and eating wholesome food and taking the time to chew it and enjoy it. My golly, this is what we should all be doing. And, you know, one thing I'd, I'd really love to just pick upon, if you're happy to say a little about it, is journaling or or free writing, Mm. as I call it, because this is something I really started to get into last year of a very good psychology friend of mine, Professor Karen Pine. She started a journaling group for her friends around the globe as a way of coping with the difficulties people were experiencing in various different countries. And she would put out a journaling prompt for each of us to respond to privately but it got me into the habit of journaling or or doing some what I I call free writing so I might meditate and then just always have a pen and my notebook to hand and then just to write whatever there's no editing just whatever comes out of the pen and sometimes it would just sort of start with a shopping list or what was on my mind about what needed to be done that day but I would find that whatever was really bothersome or the heart of something would rise up and then quite soon after that I would stop writing because I would see oh okay that's the thing that's the thing that we need to just sort out how has that been for you as a process Uh, writing for me throughout treatment has been the most magical healing experience and continues to be so very similar to you I've been doing not daily but morning pages they are supposed to be done daily if you base it on Julia Cameron yes the artist way yeah yeah. so journaling I'm in the process of writing a book oh wow yeah working title pieces of me but working on that at the moment. And then the poetry that I wrote throughout my chemotherapy. And I look at that and I just, you know, I was at some of my lowest points when writing some of the poems. I think of one called Taming Tigers. And it was all about my experience of fear. And I talked about it in this poem as the tigers and how I learned to become friends with the tigers 
so that they would walk side by side with me in my jungle, which was my body. So it's been an integral part of my treatment and it still continues to be as well. Oh, Ria, thank you so much for sharing that with me in the book. Wow, gosh, I imagine that that's therapeutic for you and it will be really helpful to lots of other people as well. And you mentioned a low moment. One of the things that I do like to hear from all my guests on these comeback episodes is about the wobbliest or lowest moment when somebody had started their return, you know, was was coming back to work. And also a peak moment. So I wonder if just reflecting over the last few months, you could tell me about both of those things. So I would definitely say my wobbliest moment was going from having so many people around me like chemotherapy nurses healthcare team weekly bloods and almost literally in a bubble you know there was the the covid bubbles that we were all in and then I was in my own little cancer bubble and not seeing anybody or really talking to anybody for long periods of time And then going back into the workplace, regardless of my plan, you're then surrounded by people on calls all the time. You're talking to customers. The polarity is quite stark. And I think my wobbliest moment was a Mm. few weeks in and just it really hit me in terms of what I'd gone through and the bubble that I was in and the bubble was now getting bigger. And it was just the busyness around me, the pace that everyone was going at, just seeing that there was a difference. I was the tortoise and everyone was the hares. And that was my wobbliest moment of, yeah, just really acknowledging that and and helping myself through that that time. And then if I think about some of the moments that have been like peak points or just where I felt really calm and settled, really basic, eating my lunch during the workday, like cooking and eating my lunch, sitting in the garden and being on a call with a customer or my colleagues or just working on a project and hearing the birds. I mean, all of my moments have been very much around nature and movement. Those have been my peak moments. Nothing more exciting than that, I'm afraid. Oh gosh, we don't need excitement. That's just, that's, that's yeah. beautiful. I'm so pleased that you were able to share your experiences with me for the podcast, Ria. I feel very calm listening to you, you know, and and I think that other people listening to this, whatever their reason for leave, whatever they're coming back from, I think they're going to get a lot from how you have spoken and the content of this conversation. So thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think everything Ria has shared can be of value to anyone who is returning to work, whatever their reason for leave. And if you're curious to know more about the benefits of journaling or free writing, or to read Ria's poem, Taming Tigers, there's a link in the show notes. If you've been lifted by this episode, I'd be so heartened if you'd rate and review it wherever you listen. Taking a moment to do this means a lot to me, so thank you. If you or your colleagues need support with your return to work and onward career journey, remember to come over to comebackcommunity.co.uk and subscribe to our fortnightly care mails. And if your experience of returning to work wasn't as good as it could have been, your HR team really needs to know about the Comeback Community Employee Experience. 
there's a two-minute film in the show notes that you can share with an HR colleague that explains exactly what it is and why your workplace needs it. Until next time, stay bright. Stay bright.